today on the pod, we talk about a new topic. So we're are we taking a new direction with our podcast, Southern Cuisine? Uh, is that is that where we're headed? We we've exhausted church planning talk. Farm to table. It's a new farm to table podcast. That's what it is. <laughs> we also talk about a difficult topic. In my sense, spiritual warfare is some of the most difficult stuff you can go through, but it's also always, if you look at it in scripture and if you think about it in your own life, it's oftentimes, as you look on the other side of it, the thing that the Lord does the most uh, work in your life through. And then we talk about how to walk with people in difficult times. You know, just good questions about the the experience of what you're walking through. I think you'll actually, and, and in my case, I think they actually found ways to speak into that when they asked the questions and they, they poked and prodded about how I'm doing. We've got a little housekeeping before we jump into the episode today. First, this episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, building the legal, business, and technology infrastructure for church plants. Find out more at auxilio.partners slash five points. We also want to let you know about an upcoming church planting summit Church planting together for God's kingdom, collaborating, connecting, and catalyzing. It will be from October the 17th through the 19th this year, 2022, at Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. For more information about this, you can visit pcamna.org. This is for church planters, church planting network leaders as well as aspiring church planters or network leaders. We'd love to see you guys there. Let us know if you have any questions. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. Excited about the episode today on spiritual warfare. But before we begin, just want to check in with Josh down in Lafayette, Louisiana, and see how you and Paris Church are doing. Yeah, uh, good to be here today, Hunter. And uh, we're doing well down here. It's been a little busy season. Emily's uh, my wife's... um, father had a, some health complications. So we had to venture over to him. He ended up having some surgery that led to a stroke that he's recovered from now and seems to be doing well, but it's kind of thrown our schedule and and upheaval. But we came home to a, a garden that is flourishing and zucchini that we are now eating and many, many things, uh, many nice. other things growing on the vine. So we're, we're looking forward to a, a fun, uh, fun season in the garden and, and uh, a hot summer in, in Lafayette right now. That's right. So I was at a conference not too long ago, Josh, and a couple of people asked about the Five Points Church Planning podcast and both wanted to know about Reed the Intern. So apparently he is the superstar of this podcast. And so, Reed, how are you? I'm doing well. I have a follow-up question to you, Josh. Do we do we fry the zucchini blossoms before they actually turn into the fruit? That is a really great question that I have no context for whatsoever. So I would love for you to answer that one for me. Where does that one come from? Oh, man. So 
you can take the flower that emerges on a zucchini plant before it becomes the actual zucchini and you pluck it off and you stuff it with whatever you want to stuff it with, usually some sort of cheesy mixture. And then like any good Southern dish, you batter that bad boy and you fry it. And this is a thing when I was growing up in the Mississippi Delta, but apparently not a Louisiana thing. I, I feel like this is like, like the snipe hunting thing in, in Mississippi where you, where they send you down a hill and you, and you, you end up feeling like an idiot at the end of this thing. I'm going to go fly, fly, fry a flower and then come out looking like an idiot at the next podcast. <laughs> so we're, are we taking a new direction with our podcast? Southern cuisine is that is that where we're headed we we've exhausted church planning farm to table it's a new farm to table podcast that's what it is (laughs) well since we're talking about spiritual warfare we know that the grizzly seasoned ended terribly john morant hurt his knee and that's definitely um uh, spiritual warfare we're moving on to baseball reed how are the, the how are the braves doing Braves have everyone right where we want them. We are hovering just below 500. We're aiming for a repeat of last year's season, <laughs> just setting everyone up to come through at the last minute. Brilliant. Sounds good. Brilliant. So at this conference that I mentioned earlier, the Leachman family came up to me. They listened to the podcast. They are planting a church in the medical district in Houston, Texas. And the suggestion that they had for us was the topic of spiritual warfare. And I think it's something that we can speak to that hopefully will be an encouragement and a help to other people who might be listening. Josh, I think it's best to begin with what you, ex- what you have experienced when you moved to Lafayette to plant Parish Church. Give us some insight into what is what happened to your family, what you have gone through and how that correlates with this topic? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I'll tell you that spiritual warfare is something that we, we know exists. We, we talk about it loosely, but we, I guess we just don't necessarily, um, I guess think about or engage in a practical level. I would tell you that I think it started becoming a little more real to us um, even before we came to Lafayette on the mission field um, as I, as our family faced a host of issues there and, and what seemed to be just a, a lot of, of, of struggle um, health-wise and just, uh, you know, with our, our children and just different dynamics that were going on there. When we came back um, stateside trying to work through the kind of process of re-entry and kind of reverse culture shock and planning a church in Lafayette. I think I would attribute the early days, the church plan, I would have just chalked it up to, you know, just kind of reorientation to culture in the U.S. and and re-entry type issues and and deals. And then a couple of years ago, uh, you know, we had a lot of hiccups and struggles along the way that we could, I could mention, but a couple of years ago, my wife um, took a uh, antibiotic that ended up hospitalizing her. Uh, it, it went far beyond that to the point that, you know, she continued to decline. She ended up in a wheelchair and then from a wheelchair, she got to the point where she couldn't even raise her, or her arms to shampoo her own hair. So I was having to take on kind of a full-time care. We had just moved into our new building. And so it seems like every time something new in the church or significant kind of um, growth in the church took place. We were facing some new obstacle. And so we just moved into a building that we had bought from a, a local church that was moving to a, um, 
kind of uh, area outside the city and bought their building and was the ministry was beginning to grow. And so she fell ill. And then right after she falls ill, obviously COVID hits. And so we're dealing with all this in a season of, of COVID. Uh, we had actually sold our house. <laughs> uh, we were building a house and uh, living in a very temporary home that was uh, maybe half the size of what we uh, ever lived in and um, not handicap accessible, um, couldn't even get into the master bedroom with a wheelchair. And so ended up moving the mattress to the floor in the living room and just spent months kind of battling through that and struggling through issues of COVID. And of course, um, racial reconciliation issues kind of came to a height through a lot of that as well. And, and just a lot of issues going on in the church, going on in our family. And it seems like from every angle we could see it something was going on it was the worst church i mean um sorry house building process we've ever gone through that was two years ago and they're still not done with my house we've been in the house now for uh you know a, a year and a half and they're still not done it's been a it feels like a little bit like the money uh, movie money pit uh if you know that one from a really long time ago but uh anyway just to, it just seemed like every time we turned around it was something new was hitting us and conflicts within the church, um, conflicts within the, the city, um, health issues in our, in our family. Uh, and we just looked up. I, actually, I was due that fall. I wanted to actually teach a sermon series somewhat from our time on the mission field on spiritual warfare and, and actually had announced it to the congregation and then came back and told them, I'm, <laughs> I'll let, I'm in the throes of it right now. I'll let you know what I think about it when I get through it. Um, I just didn't feel adequate at that point in time to, to to really talk about it or process it in any kind of healthy way. Josh, when did, you know, when you go through difficult circumstances, uh, you often think, well, this is just par for the course. This is life in a fallen world. At what point did you think this is very real and this is spiritual warfare and I need to guard my heart in terms of this church planning process? You know, I, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to have somebody just look at you and say, Hey, uh, this isn't normal. Um, the Lord's at work. There's things going on here that are good. Um, uh, you might consider this a spiritual attack. I mean, I had several friends come and speak into my life during that time saying, look, I think you're under real spiritual attack right now. And you know, encourage me to, to think through what does it mean to, to, to step into that, you know, with spiritual truths and, and promises and hold fast, I, you know, some of it, any crisis you go through, um, any kind of trauma, if you know anything about trauma, trauma recovery, things of that nature, when you go and you're in the midst of it, it's really just adrenaline and, and survival and kind of triage that you begin to look into. And, um, so you have to kind of, in my estimation, I had to hear people tell me what you're going through is unnatural and it's, it's a cascade of things and you need to see it for what it is before I could really engage it for what it was. And then on the outside, looking back on it, be able to see a little bit more clearly. Um, that was a, that was an unnaturally difficult time and, and, and beyond kind of normal circumstances. And I need to believe what the scriptures tell me that it's not against flesh and blood, but um, like it's powers and principalities, um, uh, cosmic powers at work um, in the unseen world and, and recognize the reality of that. I don't know that it fundamentally 
changes what we do by way of gospel promises, but it does give some awareness and some understanding, some sober understanding that uh, as we labor in the Lord, um, we really are on the front lines of both the, the work and the, uh, the battle. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that has been my perspective. All right, Hunter, what about on your end? You're also planting this church and you've planted one previously as well. Have you dealt with any sort of issues that maybe looking back in retrospect now you would identify, hey, this is probably a spiritual warfare situation, not just a happenstance? Sure. Part of the reason that we decided to plant in the Memphis metro area the second time is because my wife's father has Alzheimer's. And we needed to stay in close proximity to him. We wanted to be about an hour away or less. And so as the church plant is unfolding, um, yes, of course, there was COVID, but he really spiraled. And we were it in terms of those anyone who could take care of him. We're the only family <clears throat> that he has left. And we found ourselves just diving headlong into the challenges and the struggles of being caregivers. And it was just not something that we were prepared for. And on top of that, our son became sick and we could not figure out what was wrong with him. We were going to numerous doctors and we were really challenged by his sickness and a lack of diagnosis. And it just between COVID and father-in-law with Alzheimer's and our son being sick you know, you cast your eyes upon the Lord and you really look to him and, and you realize that this is not the norm, perhaps. And I think it speaks to what Josh said. Uh, it's a reason why you have a coach as a church planner. It's a reason why you have friends that hold you accountable as a church planner. Um, in our governmental structure, of course, borrowed elders who oversee the church plant in the early years. And they're all coming alongside me and they're saying, this is exceptional. This is challenging. This is hard. This is difficult. Be on guard. Do not let this derail what it is that you have been, what you feel that you have been called to do. This is our adversary at work trying to bring an end to the expansion of God's kingdom. He doesn't want to see new churches started. He doesn't want to see new churches planted. He is against this. And so you need, you need accountability. You need people praying for you. You need people walking alongside you. Um, you need people speaking into your life, helping formulate a plan as you try to plant this church. How can we assist you? So all of that was happening. All that was going on. Uh, but it's still hard and it's still difficult and it still leaves you asking why, and it leaves you frustrated and scared. And it was a, it really was a difficult period. I didn't experience anything like this. The first time we planted that, you know, as a family that we planted the church, this was a whole nother level. All right. So let's circle back then to Josh first and then over to Hunter. When you find yourself in difficult situations like this and you have people speaking into your life and praying with you that, hey, this is probably a spiritual warfare situation. What do you cling to? What do you go to biblically for comfort during these times? How do you 
how do you process this uh, personally as well as with your family? And how do you how do you just make it through difficult times like this? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, uh, you know, for Emily and I, the Lord actually, you know, it was a, you know, I, I would tell you that what was one of the most, you know, difficult times in our, our marriage and, and ministry life together was also one of the most uh, productive, profitable times, I guess, to us um, spiritually uh, in our marriage. Uh, we ended up having to the uniqueness of her situation condition and it progressed having progressed the way it did we ended up the only doctor we felt confident that could treat it was out in california so we ended up flying to los angeles and spending a few weeks out there and uh really a last second thought on the way out the door um i just received a, a book in the mail that uh i, I you know i found some interest on i just like the kind of uh, summary of it on, on the, on the email that I got. And so I grabbed it and I snagged it on the way out the door, thought maybe we could read this while we're out there together, something to do for the two of us while we're walking through this road together. And we read a chapter from, uh, Dane Ortland's uh, gentle and lowly every morning on the way to treatment. And, uh, man, we, we read <laughs> each chapter we read, we read through tears the whole way there. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> awkwardly uncontrollable, uh, just to be, to be reminded of the Lord's watch care in the midst of the struggle, to be reminded that, um, you know, as he talks about in one of his chapters in 725 of Hebrews, that his, his daily ambition, he ever lives uh, to speak on our behalf. Um, uh, we, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in the nature of his empathy and sympathy for us in the midst of our our struggle and, and difficulty, um, man, I, it was just one of the most refreshing times, uh, for us spiritually of just being reminded in the gospel, uh, you know, reminded of the gospel renewed in the gospel. And, and that's really, I mean, I, there's not a, I don't know that there's like the secret sauce of navigating spiritual warfare. You, you've got to do what we do every day. You've got to preach the gospel to yourself and watch the Lord show up in that truth, um, to sustain and to, to, to hold you. Um, you know, one of the other things that the Lord told us, taught us through that was it's interesting that, you know, I think of Joseph, you know, what, what you meant for, you know, evil, the, uh, the Lord worked for good. And, and it was also a really good time for us, uh, family wise, you know, my wife, we had to send my boys, we have six kids. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but, um, we had six kids and we are two oldest girls stayed with us and helped Emily, uh, you know, day to day with stuff the best they could. I'd have to come home and get her to the bathroom and do all those kind of things. Cause they couldn't lift her and they really couldn't help her in that regard. So I'd come back and forth from the office multiple times a day to, to just get her in and out of the bathroom and stuff, but they cook for, they care for at the house. But my four boys went home. I mean, went to their grandparents' house and stayed with them for three months. <laughs> um, they'd come to visit us off and on. And, and that was hard. Emily, we, neither one of us have been separated from our kids for any length of time and them being away from her. And, you know, just at a stage where my oldest now is 17, my youngest is seven. And at a stage of life where we've been doing this for a little while now, you lose focus. You know, you, you just kind of get into the rhythm and routine of it. And it wasn't until that, that kind of precious time with our children was taken that we recognized the significance of it. And it was a wake up call for us to cherish the time that we have with our children, to understand the gift from the Lord that they are, to re-engage them at a practical, a spiritual, a 
you know, educational level. And um, so the Lord, you know, the moral of it is that the, to, in my sense, spiritual warfare is some of the most difficult stuff you can go through, but it's also always, if you look at it in scripture, and if you think about it in your own life, it's oftentimes, as you look on the other side of it, the thing that the Lord does the most uh, work in your life through. Um, Hunter, I wonder if, uh, you, you know, you would say the same through, through that time that y'all went through, the difficulty that y'all went through. Yeah, so, you know, when you, I remember the church planning course that I went through and it talked about having prayer supporters and keeping them updated on prayer requests. And so in the first church plant did that for a period of time. And, you know, your focus is so much on gathering your core group and raising support that honestly, I think I failed to take prayer significant as significantly as I should have. And then the second time around with my son being sick and dealing with a, a father-in-law with Alzheimer's and, of course, there's COVID and we're living in a rental home and we're trying to find a house. And, and, that, and that seems very insignificant in light of everything else. But it was a challenge that all of a sudden prayer became a very big thing. It became a very real thing. And we're asking people to pray and we're, we're diligently seeking out prayer supporters. And I, I want people to know what we're going through. At the same time, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but we need people to pray for us because prayer is an important way in which our creator brings change. And, and so it just, as we're going through the difficulty of spiritual warfare, is it feels like we're drowning in some sense. I, I came to a deeper appreciation of prayer and the prayers of others and why prayer supporters are significant and important. And the other thing was, as we're going through this, we begin, we began to see opportunities to help other people that were having similar problems. And so in the darkness, Jesus is shining a light and showing us, look, there's a reason on some level that you're going through this and you're going to be able to minister to others, to help them, to show them the gospel, to bring them to the cross. And, and that was just a little tiny thing that we began to see, but it was significantly helpful for our hearts in the moment. It was hard. It was, it was very, very hard. It was very challenging. I kept navigating the Psalm 23 and Jesus walking with us through the valley, being the shepherd that guides us and knowing, you know, believing that he knows what's best. And so there has to be a reason why this is happening. Again, that's that's central to our theology, the Reformed tradition, in terms of God's sovereignty and his providence. And But I will tell you, Josh, and you know this, that, that when you're in the thick of it, part of that spiritual warfare is your heart begins to doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, is he sovereign over all of this? Is this providential? What's going on here? Why is this happening to me? Um, that was a very real thing. Yeah, it's you know, it's. I don't, maybe you're not really struggling with spiritual warfare if you don't ask that question at some point in time in your heart. If you don't ask the question, is it, <laughs> what have I done? You know, it's always kind of like uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out where my sin is. I mean, you, 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 you read Job's account of his struggle, and you, you recognize the friends that look up and go, "There's something, and you've done something." And he's like, "I mean, I, I'm telling you, I haven't." <laughs> you know, like, but I mean, there is this right. sense where we, you, you default into looking up, going, and, "And is there sin unconfessed? Is there struggle? What are you trying to do, Lord? Why are you doing this? Are you in control?" There's, 
you're, you, I feel like if you haven't really asked that question or struggled through that on one level or another, you haven't really fully embraced the reality of what's going on uh, or the significance of, of the enemy's intention through it. Um, and, and that's really where the Lord, you know, really meets us in that. Uh, that's where he t- typically shows up when the questions are raised. He, he tells us to guard ourselves up and, and hear what he's got to say about who he is, what he does, how he loves and serves. So yeah, uh, very much a part of the, uh, the process and experience. So let's look at this from another angle then. So if we aren't necessarily the ones going through the spiritual warfare battle, but it's a friend, it's an acquaintance, it's a, it's a colleague, it's somebody that we're really close with, how can we on that side of the battle be a good encouragement and a good Christian witness to these people? Maybe here's some things that people did that were really effective and comforting to you, or maybe here's some things not to say or not to do in that sort of situation. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a great question. Um, I think with uh, when, when somebody's going through the thick of it, I think we, I mean, I know with, you know, at least in our circles, we, we tend to want to, to give good biblical theological explanations. And I think some of the first things that we can do and what was most helpful for me is just acknowledge the struggle, just to, to sympathize. If we, we think about what Jesus, you know, who Jesus says he is to us, we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us, who understands he's been tested in every way that we have. Uh, yet without sin. And there's a sense in which I find comfort in the fact that he resonates, you know, with, with my struggle. And, and I think it's the same for friends that are going through things. They, they oftentimes don't need you to offer immediate counsel or just, man, I am so sorry. I know this is tough. Uh, uh, I, I know this must be hard. Uh, I love y'all. Can I love and serve y'all? How can I help you? How are you processing this? You know, just good questions about the the experience of what you're walking through. I think you'll actually, and, and in my case, I think they actually found ways to speak into that when they asked the questions and they they poked and prodded about how I'm doing. I think there they actually found places they could speak into from time to time. And sometimes it was just, hey, brother, can I pray for you? <laughs> um, you can't save me from what I'm going through, uh, but you can pray for me and remind me, as Hunter you know, just said, that prayer is, the, is, is our ultimate defense uh, in the midst of the struggle. Hunter, I wonder what, what folks said or how they, you know, how they encouraged you or helped you through some of that. Sure. Yeah, I had one particular friend that would just call and check on me. And, you know, that's, is if you know someone who's going through the, the deep challenges of life, spiritual warfare, never minimize the fact that just calling to check on someone or dropping in to see them and just being present and listening is, um, that's, that's a great thing. That's a great thing that he did for me. He would pray for me, never called with, you know, counseling points or wise words of wisdom. He just called to say, I care for you. I'm here. Can I pray for you? And that was a big encouragement to my soul and really helped me along this journey. There was another friend who would, he just did a really good job of emailing me from time to time, just things to think about. And one of the things that he went to regularly was our 
our theology in the Reformed tradition. Um, he, I remember one particular time he emailed me from the Shorter Catechism, and it was just, what did Christ's humiliation consist of from question 27? And I'll read the answer for our listeners. Christ's humiliation consisted of his being born in a low condition, living under the law, undergoing the miseries of this life, undergoing the wrath of God and the cursed death of the cross, and then being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. And what he was doing in pointing in sending that to me was reminding me of what Christ had to suffer and what Christ had to endure, what he had to go through for me. And in the midst of our misery, in the midst of our struggle, son being sick, wife just struggling with depression as she deals with her father who is just slowly dying. And, you know, that also brought back for her memories of her brother who died four years prior and that she was left without her brother to help her with her father, that in the midst of this darkness, there is Christ and that he's gone through the darker Valley and that we cling to him and we let his rod and his staff protect us and guide us. And that he will be the ones that helps us eventually fully to lie down in green pastures. And, and so that was just those two individuals saying, I care and remember, remember what God's word says. Uh, That was a, that's a great way to help people just to come alongside them gently and to love them and to quietly reassure them of who Jesus is. Um, it, it, it's not very profound, uh, but it's so, so very encouraging and helpful. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd just take that opportunity to say Clint Wilkie, who has been on this podcast be- before, was the one who, who was checking in on me and, and just a, a thank you to him and the way that he, he cared. Uh, my assumption is he was also one for you as well. Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a, a faithful brother, he's a coach. Um, and then, and as you said earlier, the need for coaches in the church planning process is so invaluable. So invaluable. Yeah. So Josh, one of the funny things he did one time is, you know, when you have pastors call, uh, when you have people who have, you know, just a deep spiritual walk with Jesus, when they call sometimes, you know, expect these really profound things that they're going to say. I remember one time Clint called and I was just laying out for him, you know, here's what's going on with my son. Here's what's going on with moving. Here's what's going on with my father-in-law and my wife and so forth and so on. <laughs> and Clint just laughed and he goes, brother, I don't know what to say. That's a lot. And, uh, but his honesty was fantastic. I mean, it was just, his honesty was so great in the moment, you know, not to try to, uh, you know, have an answer for everything. He just is like, he just put his arm around me and said, you know, that's a lot. And, and sometimes I think you just have to do that. Look, that's the, I was literally, as you started telling that story, I was like, he's going to tell this one and I'm going to tell the story about him calling and laughing at me. Um, not laughing at me, but laughing <laughs> with me like, dang, I, that's a lot. I don't know what to do with that. And he called another time as I was expressing this. I was, he called another time as he was, I was kind of expressing kind of the, the recent installment of things going on. And he kind of did the same thing. And he said, man, it's uh, it seems like everybody I'm talking to. So obviously he talked with you and others and we, we both know, some, some brothers who have been through some tough things uh, that, that Clint has relationship with and connection with through the Mid-South that have been through things. And he kind of starts kind of relating some things that people are going through. And 
and, and even understanding you're not alone, him even relating to me some of the things that people were going through was significant, reminding me of uh, the fact that, you know, if we're in this, if we're called to this calling, if we're going to engage this, this, uh, this calling in our lives, we have to be prepared. It's not if you face trials of various kinds, but when, and uh, in the midst of it, it's hard to remember that, but uh, we need to. And it was a good reminder from him on that, but yeah, his laughter, the time he laughed at me, it was like, okay, I could just relax a little bit. It is crazy, isn't it? And uh, yeah. just kind of laugh. Right. All right. So guys, as we're wrapping this up, any final summarizing thoughts or any words of wisdom that you want to leave everyone with today? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when you, anytime you address spiritual warfare, I think we all kind of feel the, the, the struggle of how much is too much, how much is too little. I think C.S. Lewis and Screwtape Letters talks about the tendency we have on one end not to take it seriously enough. And then on the other side, you know, the, the error of, uh, of seeing the devil under every stone, as it were. And, and I think the scriptures are clear that our battle is against the, the world, the flesh and the devil. And so our struggles have to do with, you know, the internal struggle of sin in our own hearts and some of the implications and uh, results of that. I think the dynamic of the, the world in which we live and the fallenness of our world and the way it presses in and even creation groaning for the day of redemption and um, seasonal and weather oriented dynamics and um but it, but we also need to be remembered, you know, you know, we also need to remember uh, the scriptures are very clear that we don't battle against flesh and blood. And, you know, I, I think it, when I, when I want to talk with people through this issue, or as I think through it, I, I want to go again and again, back to Ephesians six and, and remember that when he talks about our battle, not being against flesh and blood and that um, the schemes of the devil, that Greek word, uh, methodius, the methods of the devil and the way he comes at us, um, that, that the first kind of call that Paul gives is finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And, and every piece of the armor that we put on is just a, a reminder, a rehearsal of God's faithfulness to us, his promises to us, his redemption to us, the fact that he holds and secures us. Um, and so all the pieces of the equipment of this armor have to do with the way he holds on to us in a very tangible and practical way. We need to remember those things, repeat those things to ourselves, address those things. And then he gives us kind of the most practical point at the end where he just repeats this call to prayer. Hunter talked about it earlier, this call to prayer in multiple different ways at the end of chapter six, where the, the greatest thing we can do is that dispositional kind of spiritual act of contrition before the Lord, trust in him, give ourselves wholly unto him. Um, but we need to be reminded that when he says that we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, he's telling us that because we're seeing it in such tangible ways in the very practical realities of our health, um, our, 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 our mental and emotional stressors and, and dynamics, being overwhelmed by the things of life and ministry of sin and brokenness, circumstances of our lives. They are very tangible, but there is something going on behind the scenes. We have to take that seriously while at the same time recognizing that the promises and the answers that the gospel give us are um, are still true, whether we're battling the world, our own flesh or the devil, it's the promises of God that hold us. And we need to rehearse those in our own hearts and lives, uh, every day. 
Hunter, maybe you have some some closing thoughts or any any further uh, kind of thoughts about that. Yeah, Josh, I would say three things. First, spiritual warfare is the great leveler. And Josh, I don't, you know, I'm sure you've heard guys that are new to church planning and they're going to a particular place and you'll hear them say things like, well, this city has the most left-handed people that are agnostics that drive motorcycles. I mean, it's, it's almost humorous the levels that church planners will go to to say that they are going to the most difficult and the most challenging place. Um, and so, you know, there are other places that uh, it, it seems like planting a church there is low-hanging fruit. And this is not going to be a challenge. It's going to be easy to get a church up and going. This guy will be able to uh, juggle behind the pulpit and people will still come and hear him speak and the church will grow. But the, the reality of the issue is that spiritual warfare is the great leveler, that mm -hmm. whether you are in a difficult and challenging place or whether you're in what some people would call an easier location to plant a church, that you don't know what that person is going through. You don't know what that family is going through. You do not know what spiritual warfare is happening behind the scenes. Church planning is hard no matter where you are, no matter what city, town, whether it's a rural setting or an urban setting, it's hard across the board. And spiritual warfare is at work making it difficult and challenging. So anytime that you meet a church planner, just pray for them because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Um, that I would just <clears throat> remind our audience of that, that, that when spiritual warfare is involved, uh, you never know what could be taking place behind the scenes. Secondly, I would say that if you're listening to this and you're considering church plant, don't let this be a deterrent. Uh, we need more church planners. We need people called to advance the kingdom of God, to multiply the kingdom of God. It, you know, our theology tells us that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in our ministries to guide us and lead us and direct us and protect us and to bring us comfort and help. And that's a huge thing. That's a big thing. And so, yes, there's going to be spiritual warfare, there's going to be traps, there's going to be challenges, but we have the Holy Spirit. And so if you are considering planting, I would, I would say, and, and, you know, move forward and, 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 and consider it and don't, don't be timid. Um, it's a wonderful and beautiful thing, uh, the hands and the feet of church planters, and, and we need more people to plant. And so we don't want to be a discouragement. At the same time, we want you to understand what you will perhaps face as you do this for the glory of God. And then I, I think I'll just close with this, Josh. And, you know, I talked about my friend who would from time to time send me little theological snippets that would encourage me and help me. And one of them is the Heidelberg Catechism question 28. And um, this was um, profound and an encouragement to my heart in the midst of just a hard season. And I'm going to read the question and the answer for our audience. How, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, 
and for the future, we can have a good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. What a good word for us to finish this episode today that God's love for us as church planners is unfailing. Thanks again for listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We hope that you will tell others. We really appreciate you listening to us today. Thanks so much. That's the last word for now. As always, thanks to these guys for joining us and thanks to you for listening. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time.